and so uh, I have a question for you. What are the following people, what do they all have in common? Eleanor Roosevelt, Nelson Mandela, John Keats, Leo Tolstoy, John Lennon, Johann Sebastian Bach, Marilyn Monroe, Carol Burnett, Babe Ruth, and Steve Jobs. Any ideas? Well, what do they have all in common? They were all orphans. You might say they didn't do too badly for themselves, and it's fair to say they certainly became well-known in their various fields. And today's guest is an author of a book focusing on the lives and lifestyle differences of those in our society who have been adopted. Orphaned at some point, yes, and then they became part of another family. Well, what's that like? How does it compare with those of us who are raised in the same family we're born into? Are there differences, advantages, or disadvantages? I'd like to welcome Liz Ashling to Simple Life Radio. Thanks for taking the time, Liz, to call in from your home in New Mexico. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So your book titled Pulling on New Genes, Wounds Minus Triggers Plus Healings, An Adoptee's Journey Through Life, is told from the perspective of an adoptee, a birth mother who relinquished her child. Maybe you'd be willing to share with us a little about your story. I'd love to. Um, I, I wrote my book trying to figure out myself, really, trying to get to the core issues that I experienced in my life. And it was a 30-year journey, really, of writing, um, just trying to understand. Yeah. Yeah, and and so um, a lot of our culture really, I think, is driven by perception, you know, how things look and, and what we think that they are. And I'm wondering um, how that might impact adoptees when their stories are other than perceived by outsiders. It's, I'm imagining it's like keeping a secret. Would that, would that be true? I think um, sometimes it is a secret, but most often adoptees are told they're adopted. Um, but you're still expected to be like everyone in your family, have the same interests, like the same food, um, like to go to the same events. But inside, you might want to be doing other things. Yeah, so you're, you're actually feeling very different than everyone else that you might live with. Absolutely. And in, Absolutely. in, in cases where, let's say, the, the person was adopted at a very young age and they weren't really told their birth story, um, at that point when they don't know that they've been adopted, is there... Is there sort of an inner wondering about how come I am different, how come I look different or behave differently? Absolutely, um, that's correct. When when you are adopted as an infant, you don't usually hear your entire story until you're old enough to hear it. And sometimes even the story is remembered differently, so you're told many different stories. Mm. And then you have to figure out what's the real truth. You know, who are, who are, you know, where did I come from? Um, what do, who do I look like? I don't look like anybody in my family. Right, right. Well, you know, when I was looking through the list of uh, famous people who have been orphaned, may or may not be adopted by a, uh, another family member, 
It occurred to me that these folks are really talented, and many of them, I mean, I could imagine that they had an advantage because they really weren't part of a mold. They weren't following in someone else's footsteps. They had the ability to be uh, their own person, as you say. Would you, would you find that that is sometimes the case, that there are those advantages of, um, you know, coming into the world as your yourself rather than following behind your mother, father, big brother, big sister? I think that you do both. You follow and try to become like your family, but you discover as you're trying to do that that it never works. <laughs> and you have, you know, it just doesn't work. And you end up just being yourself, and you you keep searching for more of yourself Yeah, uh, through things that you enjoy. Like one of the things that I loved was, is swimming. And I, I could always swim. I mean, even at three and four years old, and we had a cottage um, up north in Michigan, and uh, my dad would take me out to swim. And nobody else wanted to do that, but I just would swim for hours, and he would row a boat next to me. And when I was in the water, it was like a healing experience as well because I was it was like being in the womb connected to my mother. Ah, oh, yeah. And I never knew until many years later why that water was so important. Mm. It was always a way to go into myself and be with myself and the water. Yeah. Yeah. And so following that really gave you a, a much deeper understanding, it sounds like. Yes. Yes. And I was always interested in music and dance as well. And those those two uh, ways of, of being, singing and dancing, um, allowed me to find more of myself, more of my voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in your book... Um, I'm wondering what some of the triggers are that you refer to, and um, perhaps you have a story that could help illustrate triggers for us. I do. Um, When I was uh, 30 or so, I needed to get a passport to go on a trip, and I went to the post office, um, you know, like you would just do in an easy way, and when I got there, I presented my driver's license and a certificate of birth, not a birth certificate, but a certificate of birth. And the postal uh, employee goes, well, you're adopted. And and I said, well, why do you say that? And he said, because you don't have a birth certificate. So you have to go home and get your adoption papers in order to get a passport. Whoa. And all of a sudden then, I was triggered back into well, what will my parents say? They've never shared that with me before. What will I do? What will I find on those papers? And it turned out I found my mother's first name. I I found a lot of things, but I also found that my parents were gazing my papers in an easy way, so I was able to get my passport. Mm-hmm. But it did trigger all these inner children, all these children that didn't know about history about my bio family. So that was the way you found out? Was at the post office? (laughs) I knew I was adopted, but I didn't know about my history um, until I saw my papers. I see. They had never been shared with me. 
Wow. You know, I, w- I was told stories about my family. I was told, you know, that I had, that my dad died in the war and that my mom couldn't afford to take care of me and that I had some older brothers even. Um, and that actually was another story where I thought I met my brother um, when I was working at a, an engineering company right out of high school. This man that I worked with kept staring at me in this really strange way. And finally he said, you know, are you adopted? And I, I said, yes. And he said, I think you're my sister. Whoa. And he, <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's <laughs> and so he, he took me back to his desk and showed me this picture of this woman. And she looked like me. It was a girl. And she looked like me. And um, I was sure that he had to be my brother. Um, so I went running home, you know, to tell my mom about it. And uh, the names didn't match at all. Oh. Again, like another whole, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe this is it. You know? Yes. Well, and as you're speaking about it, Liz, I, I feel like putting myself in that place, everyone knows something about me that I don't know. You know, that that, that some mm-hmm. that other people have access to some really important information to me, but it's a mystery to me. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It, 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 it's, and, and for adult adoptees that have never been able to find relatives, I mean, with the Internet now, it's so much easier. Um, but before the Internet was so prevalent, um, it was hard to find relatives. Mm-hmm. And everything was closed. Like, I came from a state of closed records, so all my records are sealed. Mm. And the adoptee themselves do not have a right to those records. Wow. even though it's their history. Really? Yeah, and there's only, I think there's maybe nine states in the in our whole country that have open records now. Is California uh, one of them? No. No It's kidding. not. In fact, my daughter was born in California, mm-hmm. and um, her records were sealed, and I wrote her letters. Um, now, this is the daughter that you gave... This is as a, you gave her up? I did. Yes. I gave her up for adoption. And um, and part of that reason that I gave her up for adoption, I think it's important because it is my adoption story as well. Um, I didn't really know how to bond with an infant because I spent my first three months of life in a hospital mm. where I was not bonded with. Mm. And so I didn't know how to bond with this baby and I thought it would be better for her that she be adopted mm-hmm. I've gone back and forth on that since the oh, time but. no doubt no doubt. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Liz Ashling, author of Pulling on New Genes, and her book uh, and her and her work is really focused on helping adoptees in their journey through life. I'm Cynthia Fernandez. You're listening to Simple Life Radio. So, Liz, um, now focusing on you know the the very deep understanding and supportive role you've taken with others through their journey. Uh, and how it's become your life's work. Tell us how you knew that that was to be. Well, um, I actually was a business consultant for a long time, and I would take people inside to help them find their inner knowing so they could lead from their heart. 
And as the work got deeper and deeper, individuals found me, and I started doing one-on-one retreats with individuals. And a lot of the individuals that had, like, drug and alcohol problems and other kinds of dysfunctional problems, when we got to the core of things, it was because they were adopted and lost. Mm. And they were trying to cover up the sadness and the hole they felt inside from the loss of their birth mother. Wow. And so from that, you just really probably saw a great need that you were able to assist in some way. What I was able to do is, um, and what I do as a healer, is I take people inside um, to hear their stories. And when we listen to the story, we heal the story, like we might rescue that inner child that has been abandoned by the mother, and I should say relinquished by the mother, but it feels like abandonment and loss. Right. Um, And we rescue that child, and we help that child grow up inside the adult person. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have to be triggered any longer. Other ways that that showed up was in relationships. Um, I was doing some relationship counseling, and um, sometimes the person, one of the people would be adopted, and they um, had connected to their partner as their infant self. So what I mean by that is that the young child wanting the mother and feeling the loss of the mother um, would want to hug and be in connection with their partner from that perspective, like to be rescued mm-hmm. and to be as an infant mm-hmm. rather than just an adult. So the adult's present, but the infant part of the, the adult is also connected to this person. And so it can be kind of confusing, and triggers can happen out of that. Mm. So again, we would look for who it was that is feeling alone or abandoned and rescue those parts and and um, so that the person could come into wholeness. Mm-hmm. Now, we haven't really talked about the perspective of the friends and family members close to someone who was adopted. How might that be for them? Well, you know how sometimes now they... they um, parents might feel like this is my child. They're, they would feel as an adopted parent. This is my child. They're no different than anyone else. They're my child. I love them. Um, but let's say they had problems with the child, and sometimes uh, children are given timeouts. For an adopted person, a timeout is abandonment. Not they need to be held when they aren't understood. Mm. So the way you parent is different. And um, so I knew somebody that had a child, an adopted child in their 20s. That's when her she started getting all her triggers, and she started doing drugs and alcohol. And the mom put her in a, uh, you know, like a military school. Um, like a tough that, love program? A program to help her, but it was, you know... An off-site program, okay, like like a military school, and and that felt like abandonment, an additional abandonment to this this twenty-year-old. Rather than how can we work together and stay united and and do our work together? 
Uh-huh. So it, it's complicated. So it's so complex. For, for the people who are friends and family to the adoptee, um, they really need to have some kind of reference point or education about how it's different because it's not going to be clear to them given their, you know, they, they don't have those experiences in their past. That's right. And I think most, yes, and most adopted children don't feel any of it either until they're maybe 20. Um, if they don't have a strong identity at 20, then um, it could... Get, they could get triggered easily then. But, you know, when you're growing up, everything is cool. Everything seems fine. You don't really realize um, the loss at that time. And so what are some of the common symptoms of, of these kinds of triggers that one might experience for themselves or if they are friends or family that they might recognize in a loved one? Um, that maybe the, they see their their child wanting to be alone or or they complain about being alone uh-huh. even though there's family all around them and that's part of um trusting and bonding so they would want to have help with with um building trust and bond mm-hmm. and- um the I think a strong identity and a spiritual journey, you know, are the biggest healers. I mean, if you can find out what you love and do that as an adopted person, then that is your spirit. That is who you are. That is what's in your DNA. And that makes you whole. So really but o- I, honoring honoring your unique self. Yes. And yeah. any way that parents can help people find their unique self like drawing, um, being exposed to uh, all kinds of athletics, being exposed to all kinds of arts. You know, those are soul journeys. So Mm -hmm. those are really helpful things for families to do. You know, if the family is all athletic and the adopted person is not, maybe you want to get them into the arts. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. and, And then then everybody in the family can support that person in the arts. And, uh. and then there's a way of joining. Then there's a way of coming together. You know, then there's a way of sharing um, and building all kinds of bonding because that person has talent, you know, a different talent than anybody in the family. <laughs> My older sister was dying and we, you know, we had um, kind of a off and on relationship um, just because we were so different. Not a non-loving relationship, but just an off-and-on relationship. And when she was dying, she came and she acknowledged all all of my gifts. And I thought she never even saw who I was. Oh, wow. So it was really a healing for me and a healing for her. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that is such a heartwarming story. You know, and it just it kind of reminds me how powerful that is to speak from the heart and really really allow yourself to acknowledge another person's gifts yes yeah well now this particular episode of simple life is being aired during the the uh, holiday months of the year and it, it reminds me liz of the impact that the holidays have on all of us because they are family focused events and i'm I'm wondering if it intensifies for adoptees. 
Well, you know, when families get together and they talk about um, the, all the relatives and how you're like grandfather so-and-so and grandmother so-and-so and, and all the traditions are there, um, sometimes an adopted person can feel, you know, really left out mm. um, and outside of the circle. And other times they feel really special because they joined this family. They were chosen. So I want to, you know, they're, they're special. They've been chosen for this family. And um, I think that both of those things are happening all the time. And this is why the complexity is the way it is, because you have wonderful traditions that you share with your family, and you still need to find yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Liz Ashling, author of Pulling on New Genes. And uh, this book is really for anyone who's touched by an adoptee or is an adoptee. It captures the complexity and the challenges of lifelong journey of adoption and awakens the heart. So um, if you're interested in getting a copy for yourself, you can contact Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden for your very own copy of the book. And if you'd like more information about Liz... Her website is l a s h l i n g dot wix w i x dot com. That's l ashling dot wix dot com, and you'll find lots of information about the work that Liz does. So, um, what was really your your motivation for writing the book? Because it, as I go through it, Liz, it's got a lot of really meaty and yet concise information. It's it's like a user's manual almost. But I, I wanted to hear from you. What what was your hope in writing the book and getting it published? I wanted to give um, put a book out there that could help both the adoption professional world understand the complexity of adoption, but mostly adult adoptees, a lot of times I've met them through, through for 10, 10, at least 10, 20 years, um, and they are in their 30s and 40s, and they didn't know that what they're dealing with are adoption issues, mm. you know, and so I wanted to provide short stories of my life that could show how those triggers happen, but also provide healing exercises where people can heal themselves so they don't have to live feeling the whole, the primal wound hole that is the loss of the birth mother's heartbeat. Mm-hmm. There is a way out. And you can have a joyful life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the book is serious because I think so many things are not recognized as part of the journey. But Life is really grand, and really, adoption is a spiritual journey. Anybody that is adopted gets to find themselves and bring their own gifts forward. Mm. And that's why all those stars that you spoke about had so much talent, because their focus was on their passion. And that's the gift to adoptees when they've healed their wounds. It's just to follow their passion. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's a way through, you know. Yeah. So if anyone's listening today who hasn't read your book, and um, maybe they 
are an adoptee or they are close to an adoptee, do you have any advice for them? Mm, that's a great question. Well, I want to say read the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <But> <laughs> um, if you're struggling with understanding an adoptee's per- perspective uh, or their way of being, I think the book and the exercises in the book could be really helpful. How about uh, just treating us with an exercise or two? We have about, oh, I don't know, five, six minutes here. Okay. Well, most of the exercises to heal the wound would be um, asking you to close your eyes and take a nice deep breath and let the breath go. And again, another deep breath and let the breath go. And allow yourself just to float down to your heart center. And feel the beat of your heart there. And know the love that's in your heart. And if you're having difficulty doing that, think of a pet that you really love and feel that love in your heart now. And any part of you that has a situation or a problem that you would like to have healed, Bring that into your consciousness. And then with your hands, take that problem and bring it to your heart and the love in your heart. And let the love give you the answers. The love in your heart. And let your mind hear those answers. If there's an inner child that needs to be heard, you can bring her to your heart. And listen. Some little children might say, I'm not worth hearing. Then you hold them tighter and you hear them and tell them how important they are. Because if they aren't in the heart, you are not whole.
So, Cynthia, that's just a brief little piece, but mostly I open the entire chakra system of the body. I drum people into sacred into sacred space, and then we do this kind of inner work where we find the children inside that are related to whatever issue is current, and mm. then we work with that story. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I know. So it's usually uh, a hour and a half process. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not just a few minutes over the the radio. Yeah. Well, I noticed in but your... I hope that you got a sense. Yeah. Of some of the energy mm-hmm. that works to heal and yeah. open the heart. Yes. And I see from your bio that um, you use... Uh, both somatic and shamanic healing practices. So yes, I do. And in your book, <laughs> in part four, you've got um, I see thirteen exercises listed uh, in various um, subject matters where the person you know is able to go within and really connect deeply uh, internally to their own higher self. Yeah, to their. Hi- yeah, their higher self, to their spirit guide, right. to their animal totems, to Mother Earth. I wish I had done a Mother Earth one. Or just be floating in the water and feeling the water go over your body. Mm. Because you can become like a rock in a riverbed. And, and you can just become one with that rock and feel the water soothing you. And running over your body. And it's a way to begin to understand the oneness that you are with the earth and the universe. Mm -hmm. When we know ourselves in our totality, and then we become multidimensional, and we are no longer alone. So, again, my biggest gift as being adopted was to find my way to spirit and to be able to teach that to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, Liz, the the process that you described isn't different, I don't think, for people who were raised by their birth parents. Um, I don't think it's different necessarily for someone who has a completely different life experience and some kind of physical disability. Um, but it's it's really important for each of us to have a context that we can communicate in that relates to us in a deep way. Correct. Yeah. Beautifully put. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah because, the, I mean, you know, at, at least m- my perspective is uh, we all have a healing process ongoing. <laughs> some of us yeah. choose to acknowledge it and some of us don't, or we might yeah. weave in and out of the awareness around it. Um, so one question for you uh, before we run completely out of time would be, was there someone significant in your life that really um, mentored you or uh, encouraged you to follow your own passion and and awaken your own inner awareness. Um, yes, my adopted father, when I was very young, um, 
did a lot of things with me, like the water, as I swimming in the water in the lake. Yeah. But also, he took me to uh, a revival meeting when I was like six, <laughs> and I got to see the angelics all around Billy Graham and know the greater. And we used to have discussions about things like that all of the time, my whole life. And even though he was very narrow Christian, I was allowed to talk about my spirituality. Hmm. And we always would come to some agreement, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there were Native people along the way, too, Native healers that found me and encouraged my journey as a shaman. Well, I, I think it's really important to reflect on who sort of uh, spurred us on, mentored us, encouraged us to follow our own dreams and so forth. Because as time goes forward, you know, we're doing that for someone else. And if we're aware of it, all the better. <laughs> but yeah. but I think the reality is that um, we are all connected on many levels, and we do influence the people around us, whether we know them or not, whether we realize that we're doing that or not, um, it is happening. Our guest today, Liz Ashling, uh, author of Pulling on New Jeans. As I said, if you're interested in getting a copy for yourself, Pilgrim's Way Community Bookstore in Secret Garden in Carmel, California is a good source for that. And of course, Liz's website, lashling.wix.com will give you more information about her work. I want to thank you so much for your time today calling into Simple Life Radio, and I so appreciate your healing spirit and what you bring to the world. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And you can Google Liz Ashling and get to my website easily, too. Perfect. All right. Well, looks like we're just about out of time, so um, I want to let you know what kind of goings-on we have happening at the bookstore in Carmel. I mentioned earlier we have a number of local authors coming in today. Uh, every hour there's been another author or two coming in, and um, we have lots of signed copies of uh, Jane Smiley's book, um, many of her books, actually, but Some Luck is her newest one, hardcover, just released. So feel free to come on by. Until next week, I want to remind you, keep it simple. Zabadab, 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 zabadab